0: This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome to another episode of the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. Today's podcast has a wildly outrageous title The Future of American Christianity, a Nation of Heretics. It's going to take me a little bit to explain that, and uh, so stick with me here. But I this one, I'm, I'm giving a prediction, and that prediction is based off of some reflection I've done on a recent article written by Ross Duthit. He's a columnist with the New York Times and author of a book in the past. It was titled "Bad Religion: How We Became a Nation of Heretics." He wrote an update to that book inside of his column, kind of reflecting on that on December twenty-first of twenty twenty-two where he wrote about the future of American religion and reflected on it. I think there's some really interesting analysis that Ross Douthat does. Part of the reason I include this on the Equip podcast is that from time to time, thinking critically and seriously about the situation in which we live helps us to know what faithfulness looks like. And so, I think that Douthat's analysis offers us some insight that might help you to navigate the world around you more faithfully and even to understand what's happening in terms of Christianity and religion in America right now. So let's dive in, track with me here. I'm going to kind of outline for you Ross Duthit's ideas of why the future of American Christianity looks like a nation of heretics. So as a backdrop, that opens his article citing the recent Pew Foundation research on the potential futures for American religion. I'm going to read a quote to you from his uh, article where he says this, In three of the four projection, projections from the Pew Foundation, the Christian percentage of the U.S. population, which hovered around 90% in the 1970s and 1980s, drops below 50% within the next half century. In two of those scenarios, the Christian share drops below 50% much sooner, sometime around 2040, and then keeps falling. So let's put that into like just a little bit of stark relief here. If that were to happen, that means right now, January 1st, 2023, within 17 years, so before a child born today would be graduating from high school... The Christian percentage of U.S. population, which would have, this is, we're not talking necessarily born-again Christian, but just people who on a survey in late 1970s would have marked, I'm a Christian, that would have been 90% in 1979. We're talking about by like 2039, so a difference of 60 years, that percentage would not be 90%, but something closer to 45%. That is a gigantic social change. So, the question is, what would that look like? What's really happening on the ground? And the observation that Ross Douthat put forward in his book, originally put out in about 2012, 2013, that was titled Bad Religion, was that many people were saying America was moving toward a secular society or secularization. And Douthit thought that that actually wasn't a particularly helpful analysis. Here's what he writes. I'll read a little quote here. He said, What my book proposed was that secularization wasn't a useful label for the American religious transformation. Instead, I wrote, American culture seems as God besotted today as ever, still fascinated with the figure of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, still in search of divine favor and transcendence. But these interests and obsessions are increasingly much less likely to be channeled through churches, Protestant and Catholic, that maintain some connection to historical Christian orthodoxy. Okay, I'm going to reread that sentence. This is the premise of his book, Bad Religion, that increasingly spiritual interest is less likely to be pursued through a church that is connected to historical Christian orthodoxy. Instead, our longtime American national impulse toward heresy toward personal revisions of Christian doctrine or Americanized updates of the gospel, will have finally completed its victory over older Christian institutions and traditions. In his book, Bad Religion, that cites examples from the 90s and the 2000s, like the rise of Oprah Winfrey, who through her show basically preached a gospel of the divine self, Oprah would regularly use allusions to Christian scripture or Christian phrases, but divorced completely from the Christian notion of God. Doubt that cites the rise of people like Joel Osteen, a false teaching, kind of like, I think of Joel Osteen as like prosperity gospel light. A God and money sort of Christianity where there's no mention of sin and no mention of repentance. Doubt that cites the political affiliations of Christianity. It's apocalyptic moves toward Christian nationalism. He says all of these impulses, if you see them, they're deeply religious. Frankly, they might even cite the name of Jesus. It's not so much that they have abandoned religion, but they have corrupted Christianity. That's key. Heresy, this is so key. When we use the term heresy, heresy is a denial of the core tenets of the Christian faith. But heresy will sound Christian. Okay, let me give an example. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church is a heretical branch. It they're not Christian. They use the terminology of Christianity, but they're not espousing the core teachings of Christianity. They're denying cardinal doctrines. They're not Christian. They're heretical in their teaching. Heresy borrows the language of Christianity, but it doesn't hold allegiance to Christ. And so, the specific point of Douthit's book is so profoundly helpful. It's not that America will become less spiritual, it's that it's becoming less orthodox. It's becoming a nation of heresies. In reflecting on his book, it was written in the early 2010s. Now looking at it from the perspective at the end of 2022, Douthat says, we are certainly seeing powerful heresies rise up. You've got on the left, kind of politically and socially, the woke heresy. Dowthit gives the term that's been used by others of the Great Awakening, which is a version of Protestant revivalism stripped of Protestant Orthodox theology. It still has a crusading zeal, even for justice, a rhetoric of conversion and confession, and moral transportation transformation, and a sometimes frenzied urge to cast out or cancel that which is evil and uncleaned. You know, it, it's almost puritanical in its zeal for, quote-unquote, justice. But is this kind of great awakening, while there's some sort of Christianizing element in it, is offering a vision of justice in society that's radically different and even antagonistic to Christ and his church. That's a heresy. It's a false gospel. That's on the left. Douthat proposes on the right another heresy which he uses as the espousal of kind of, we could call it, Christian nationalism or an over-affiliation with American success with the American church. He gives this incredible example. Let me read you the quote. When Paula White Kane, a TV preacher and self-help author, emerged as a spiritual advisor to Donald Trump in 2016— The then Southern Baptist leader of the ERLC, Russell Moore, tweeted that White Cain is a, quote, charlatan and recognized as a heretic by every Orthodox Christian of whatever tribe. If Moore was speaking for orthodoxy against heresy, the Trump era suggested that heresy was the stronger party. White Cain ultimately gave the inauguration invocation for Donald Trump. While Russell Moore became a lightning rod among Southern Baptists for his anti-Trump words and the idea that Christian conservatism should have clear moral or doctrinal standards for its leaders passed away. Okay, let me reflect on that just briefly. What Russell Moore tweeted about Paula White Kane is exactly true. Paula White Kane is a heretic like like she's not an orthodox christian she's not within the mainstream of evangelical christianity and yet it was that person who gave the prayer of invocation at the inauguration of a US president not a person who is part or connected with any sort of mainstream christian denomination you see that's what her- that's the sort of heresy that that doubt that's points out he says no again This is a deeply spiritual-sounding thing, but it's a spirituality divorced from orthodoxy. So on the left, you've got the woke heresy. On the right, you've got Christian nationalism heresies. And then in the middle, you have kind of the same old culprits, the self-help heresy. I think of this as prosperity gospel light. We've already mentioned Joel Osteen you know? But that that's an example of that sort. It's kind of a weird mixture of like leadership, guru stuff, plus Jesus. And to be honest, Christ plus anything equals heresy. A- apocalyptic heresies, where frankly, because of fears about the culture around, Christians can tend to be, you know, so subject to being lured away by specific end times prophets who say they can read the news headlines and tell you basically when Jesus is going to return. The trust your feelings, love is love sort of heresy, where whatever you feel, Jesus becomes in love with what you feel because what you feel is real, not what Jesus says is real. Those are the same old heresies that have always been around. And I think that what Ross Douthat is saying as a pastor, I have to say, sounds so profoundly true. Jesus designed this thing called the church to be what Timothy will write about, a pillar and ground, a foundation of the truth that actually it's entrusted to the church of Jesus Christ, the true church, to hold on to sound doctrine and pass it down, to literally guard sound doctrine against things that would try to corrupt the truth. As I look around, more and more people are fine having a Jesus that they worship according to their own conventions, but more and more people want to ditch the church That's not just a pastor saying, I wish I had greater attendance. That's saying, if Jesus has said the church is there to be a pillar and foundation of the truth, when people move away from that pillar and foundation into just saying, well, I'll read it for myself and come up with my own ideas, what you end up with is a nation of heretics, not a nation of atheists. Note that not a nation that rejects Christianity or rejects uh, you know spiritual belief per se but a nation that wants to create their own branch of Christianity a nation of individualists a nation that says my modern self and who I say I am and what I think should be true is what should really rule and by the way here's another interesting facet of doubt that's analysis that I've reflected on a bit As he said, it's also true that what's become uh, evident is that these changes in the way that we relate to Christian teaching or religion look vastly different in different regions of the country or even different social strata among people. For instance, if you go down to the South, you're going to have a very different perspective on what Christianity is than you would get, say, if you grew up in Boston in the Northeast. That's a very different, even regional thing. The social strata, highly educated, elite college graduates tend to have a very different set of perspectives on the teaching of Christ than, for instance, middle-class working Iowans who grew up on a farm. The And amongst those very diverse groups, the big question, one of the big questions for America, not just for American Christianity, is whether groups that share similar borders legally, but lack, lack any sort of coherent uh, moral framework, whether they can really hold together. Can such diverse groups work as a nation? Are they so different that we don't really even have a nation of heretics? We have a nation where actually the heretics are so vastly different from one another that they don't know how to even work together. That's a bit of a dire situation. Well, doubt that ends... His article by going back to the Pew predictions. We noted earlier that three out of the four scenarios see um, Christianity losing influence rapidly in America. The Pew report notably, though, I'm going to quote from Douthat here treats a hypothetical status quo scenario, one of nobody really changing their religious affiliation, as kind of the best case scenario for Christianity's future in America. In other words, there are no scenarios. In the Pew Report, where Christian growth returns, or where a larger share of America is Christian in 2050 than it is today. None of the scenarios say that. I love Doubt that's closing, closing lines, though. He says, I wouldn't expect a social scientist to anticipate that kind of reversal. But as we come up to Advent and Christ- Christmas, We remember that those events aren't about trends extending as before. They're about rupture, renewal, and rebirth. And that's precisely what America and American Christianity needs right now. Now as much as ever, now as in those first days when its whole future was contained in the mystery and vulnerability of a mother and a child come from heaven to earth. That right there is so important. I think Ross Douthat's prediction that we're becoming a nation of heretics certainly has the ring of truth to me. So what do we do as we move forward? Well, one is as the church of Jesus Christ as his people, don't be afraid little flock. Your father will give you the kingdom. Jesus over and over again says I'll be with you so don't be afraid. We will likely face increasing tension between the beliefs of conservative, I don't just mean that politically, I mean traditional Bible-believing Christianity in American culture. We will likely face increasing challenges to be a faithful Christian in this place. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The culture doesn't determine your faithfulness. That's a decision we make in front of Jesus, to honor him and his word. But don't be afraid. Christianity, true gospel Christianity, you know, when you mark 90% in the American survey in 1970, we have to ask the question of, was really true gospel Christianity thriving in 90% of the people? Or might it be that there were a whole bunch of people who would check a box who have absolutely no real affiliation with Christ? What will happen is the coming social pressure will show us who's real. Don't be afraid. But I think secondly— While we shouldn't be afraid, we should also realize the importance of things like church planting. Why is it so essential that we're doing the work we're doing through Salt Network? Why Cornerstone is trying to plant churches in major university centers? It's because if we don't put the church back in some of those places, there will be no church in those places. We have to actively work to see new churches started. But I think along with the active work that we do, we have to actively wait on the Lord for a revival. Like what doubt that says, the social scientists don't have a hypothetical good scenario for American Christianity, but Jesus sent his spirit to be part of his church, and where the good news of Jesus is proclaimed, there is always hope for a revival of God's work. The hope that American Christianity has right now is probably not a new strategy Most of our strategies are going to fail in the coming kind of tidal wave of this rise of a nation of heretics. But what we do have is a great God. And so we can control faithfulness to Jesus. So we need to hold unflinchingly to God's word and we need to pray unflinchingly for revival to come. So I'm I'm giving you a few thoughts the future of American Christianity, a nation of heretics, and I hope what it, what it stirs in you is, is a personal conviction that you must hold fast to the faith once delivered to the saints. An unswerving conviction to believe what God's word says and to not give up on that, not to be dragged to and fro by various winds of doctrine, but to hold fast with God's church to truth. That's our resolution at Cornerstone. We're going to, we want to have a sort of humble orthodoxy, a humility in how we live, but an absolutely ironclad grip on the truth of the gospel that won't move no matter what the culture around us in our nation does. Where We're willing to even call out heresies, false teachings on the right and on the left that would distract us and pull us away from Christ. So I want you to have that sort of moral conviction and doctrinal and theological conviction inside of you. But I also want you to have this sort of hope that says at 10.02, you know, when your alarm goes off at 10.02 to pray, pray for God, Luke 10.2, to raise up laborers because the harvest still is plentiful. But maybe you might want to start to put another prayer in there too. Pray for God to send His Spirit to bring revival. Pray for God to bring a great harvest of the gospel because it's not the demographic or sociological trends that are going to turn the tide. If something's going to turn in the future of American Christianity, it's going to be because God came in a special way through his spirit to empower his church. God send revival. As we look to the future of American Christianity, certainly a nation of heretics gives us some food for thought but it also gives us a place to begin to pray that God would send revival by His Spirit.